After the show today, it's uh, down to Conway, South Carolina, as uh, the college baseball season opens uh, this afternoon across the country. Uh, your UNCW baseball team uh, plays at 4 o'clock uh, today here on the local campus against uh, Dayton. They also have welcomed Bryant University to the Port City for opening weekend of the college baseball season. Coastal Carolina opens today with UNC Greensboro. They will then play San Diego State tomorrow, Virginia Tech Sunday. My weekends are no longer free, to say the least, as we'll be delivering the play-by-play for 57 games that begins this afternoon. Yael Osowski from the Consumer Choice Center joins us each and every Friday at this time, 9.30 Eastern time. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you back on the program. Host of Consumer Choice Radio, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. right here on the Big Talker FM. Yeah, yeah, what's going on? Oh, how you doing there, Joe? Uh, things are feeling pretty good here, so thanks so much for having me on again. No question. So where do your travels take you this week? Oh, well, this week I'm, I'm staying put. I'm recording here in uh, Vienna, Austria, so I'm... Uh, not far from the wife and child. I know I was on the road a little bit here, um, being all over D.C. and uh, <laughs> sloshing back and forth, but finally I'm back home. Um, but I will be back in D.C. for CPAC in about uh, two weeks, so I'll be reporting from there then. Great. And, in fact, you'll be reporting from one of our radio booths because I believe we're getting ready to put together a little package for my friend Chad Adams to get up there and broadcast from there. So I can, well, do this, that, and the other, and he can broadcast to us from CPAC. So make sure you find him on Radio Row, and then you won't have to call in. You just directly contact us through the radio board. How about that? That'll be beautiful. It'll be great to have Chad there and uh, be able to talk to him. I haven't seen him in a while. That'd yeah. be awesome. Cool. And uh, with that, uh, so each week, uh, let's be fully transparent and open because uh, we have nothing to hide here at the Big Talker FM. Uh, each week, uh, we contact each one another around Wednesday, Thursday. Say, all right, what do you got this week? And don't forget to drop in your show file because uh, we want you to air Consumer Choice Radio at 10 o'clock. So a, a reminder about your show, by the way. Um, that said, we talk about you know the topics that uh, you want to discuss and uh, – all eyes on the Democratic presidential primary, and uh, your one-liner was, uh, I think, says it all. Bernie Sanders is now the national Democratic frontrunner. Run for the hills, folks. Please explain. <laughs> yeah, well, it is now Bernie Sanders' season. Um, you know, he uh, came out of Iowa. It was a bit confusing, but now he's claiming that he won the popular vote in New Hampshire. He was atop the, the primary, so now he's the national frontrunner which uh, certainly scares a lot of us who care about economics and care about our health care. But it's also making the Democratic establishment very, very scared, very wary. Um, we got to run for the hills. There's a lot of really crazy ideas out there that I think most people have not really taken the time to digest. Um, I think, Joe, we can probably put together a nice audio book of all of them that we've explained here on the program. But here's here's a good list for your listeners, just so they know. This is what you can expect in a Bernie Sanders presidency. National rent control, socialized medicine, a fracking ban, a Green New Deal, no nuclear power, 
tax hikes and publicly funded elections. So there's a lot of that that's going to be coming up. This is uh, going to be the Bernie Sanders future if uh, this is really allowed to, to continue and if people are going to continue to follow that message. Um, there's a lot of bad ideas in there, a lot of bad economics, and sounds as if it's going to be very expensive for you, Joe, and for a lot of your listeners. All right, let's take it from the top on some of those uh, issues that you just mentioned. And I know we've discussed it uh, prior to our conversation here today related to uh, national rent control. Where has uh, this gone on in other places across our country, and how has it impacted those cities and states? We had that. We've had a lot of experiments in California in various cities. And what, we, what we've seen with that is that for the people who do live in rent-controlled apartments, um, it's very good. What is not good, however, what we don't see are the people who are trying to get apartments, whether they want to become landlords or they would just want to buy them for their families, they're finding that the prices are going through the roof. And really what it does in the end is you're just distorting the market, making it more expensive for people to rent in the future because as those costs go up, those buildings that people are then buying at an inflated rate, well, they need to get some investment back. They need to get some of their income back, so they're going to be raising rents across the board. Um, for some of the buildings that we have specifically in places like Chicago or different parts of New York, we've tried rent control. A lot of times these are the kind of Section 8 housing um, that are very well-known and notorious for being run down. Uh, have mold, cockroaches, terrible areas because landlords do not have an incentive to fix them up as they would with a apartment that has, uh, I guess, no rent control and where they can actually get some kind of return on their investment. Otherwise, you know, basically people are just being paid a few dollars an hour to watch after an entire building. That's a bit crazy. I think it's uh, not a good plan, not a good idea. And can you imagine that run out of Washington, D.C.? Total insanity. Why do you think uh, these types of messages uh, resonate uh, with a, a certain portion of our population? Rent control, socialized medicine, uh, do they have blinders on, you know, putting more and more uh, of our lives in in the hands of uh, bureaucrats and the federal government? I mean, uh, you, know, you and I obviously advocates for less and less government intrusion in our lives, allow us to do what we do best uh, uh, and give us the freedoms to choose and consume the things that we wish to. Uh, why does this type of thing resonate with a certain group of our population? It has to do with the now, now, now. You know, it's instant gratification. That's that's what all of us do. That's why we get home and we put on Netflix and we want to have season one, two, and three right there stacked on top of each other. And I think most people are kind of wanting that from their government. You know, they want to be able to turn to the government and say, hey, I want my health care. Check. I want to have my rent be incredibly low. Check. I want to have all these products delivered to me. I mean, it's, you know, maybe it's a, it's a failure in communication from many of the other political leaders, or it's just the kind of mentality. You know, we've probably noticed in the last couple of years, uh, we don't get to talk about local news that much. You know, we don't get to talk about what's happening at the city council. Your show, Joe, you do this a lot. You talk about what's happening in New Hanover County. You're talking about what's happening at the local level. But a lot of our media establishment doesn't really discuss this. They just kind of, you know, put it over with a broad brush. There's a lot of newspapers that are kind of going bust. So everything focuses on the federal government where there are trillions of dollars. I mean, the, the deficit that they're going to have projected for this year is apparently $1 trillion is one of the largest ever I mean, that's a huge amount of money. I can't even imagine what a trillion dollars is. 
So I think it has to come down to the larger nationalization of almost every issue. Everything is kind of seen just through the lens of the federal government, and we're not really talking dollars and cents. We're not talking about how it impacts ordinary, everyday people and the economic decisions they're going to make when they go to the grocery store or when they go to the doctor and they're going to find that either they're going to be on a waiting list or they're just going to be less available. There's going to be less products in the grocery stores like we see in socialist countries like in Venezuela, or they're going to show up at the doctor's office and they're going to have to wait for four, five, six hours to get an ordinary procedure or even a checkup. Yeah, in my mind, uh, you, know, you look at various uh, issues uh, facing our country and the way in which the, the federal government uh, has uh, either tried to address, to, uh, tried to address, uh, ha- are addressing or have failed to address uh, and kick the can down the road because that's uh, what our elected officials love to do and then tell us how much they're working for us. Uh, I just don't know how anyone has any faith in what uh, our bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. can get accomplished and we're going to put them in charge of, of more. And uh, it's just uh, beyond uh, uh, my uh, comprehension level here on a day-to-day basis the way we follow the issues that we do here on our program and throughout the course of the news cycle. Yael Lasowski from the Consumer Choice Center. All right, well, we talk about national rent control, socialized medicine, a ban on uh, fracking, nuclear power, raising taxes, uh, the Green New Deal. Well, riding, uh, I guess, uh, the wave of his finances, uh, Michael Bloomberg, uh, the former New York City mayor, started to gain some traction even here in North Carolina, uh, picking up steam. Uh, you see his campaign ads. He's starting to dump more and more money into this thing. And uh, you know, who would have thought uh, the party of diversity uh, leaning towards, uh, you know, well, Bernie Sanders one and then the other, the alternative choice here, it looks as if uh, you know, Michael Bloomberg is going to be here to stay due to his financial pockets and, uh, well, a, a white billionaire. How about that? Yeah, and uh, from what we're hearing, um, you know, there's a lot of endorsements as well coming out of North Carolina. And th- there have been some rumors that he's actually been paying off Uh, some big city mayors to endorse him publicly so that he can tout these endorsement figures. I mean, this is a real dragon um, that a lot of people are going to have to slay. Michael Bloomberg is uh, a billionaire many times over, very rich. Um, Apparently, if you join his campaign, you get a free phone, you get a free MacBook Air. uh, You're able to to travel. You get all your your nice, you know, uh, Whole Foods lunch bills paid for. I mean, it's very attractive, and uh, Michael Bloomberg is putting a lot of energy into the online social media game, a lot of memes and stuff online. You know, Bloomberg is dropping some serious dollars there. Uh, you know, it might be a Johnny come lately. You know, maybe he's he's planting the seed here in North Carolina. We have the primary in a couple of weeks. It'd be very surprising. You know, I I'm not sure if people are going to be sold specifically on the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, there's a lot of things they don't like about Michael Bloomberg, certainly not stop and frisk, very controversial policy in New York City. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see. And to have a, a Michael Bloomberg um, inching up in the polls in a place like North Carolina, South Carolina, um, it's making it a bit crazy because this is exactly what the Democratic Party has been railing against for months and almost years are these rich billionaires that kind of swoop in with billions of dollars buying up ads, basically paying for – all of their campaign with their own dollars, and the people are left out of it. So it's, it's really interesting to see. There's a lot of reasons to not like Bloomberg from a consumer choice perspective. Uh, this is Mr. Big Gulp we're talking about here, who outlawed these large fountain drinks. He's gone after vaping. He's put hundreds of millions of dollars to try to shut down the vaping industry and all vaping of all types. So certainly not a friend to liberty, but I think uh, the Democrats and the progressive purists test are probably going to put their chompers on Bloomberg, and I don't know if he'll survive. 
Is he the establishment type of uh, candidate uh, that Democrats, uh, you know, are pushing ahead? I know, you know, Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar. I just don't think they have the national appeal uh, that maybe they had in places like New Hampshire and uh, Iowa. Is this the guy that uh, they they could replace Bernie with? And if in fact he is, you know, Bernie Sanders fans uh, and supporters are you can compare and contrast it to you know Trump type uh, of supporters. You know, they may take a bullet for the guy. You know, what happens in Milwaukee later on this year if uh, you know Bernie still remains the front runner at the top of the list, and then all of a sudden you know the establishment says, well, Michael Bloomberg, you're going to be the candidate instead. I, I mean, I think the arena may burn down and the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this a little bit with the Democratic uh, National Convention a couple of years ago where they had the issues about Israel and Palestine and a lot of campaign finance stuff. You know, the base is not where the leaders are uh, in the Democratic Party right now. I think if we look long term, Joe, we could see a kind of AOC, Bernie Sanders, progressive wing. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking more maybe I've been in Europe too long, but you could technically have an entire progressive party that would have a huge impact um, now, that's projecting a little bit, but it's definitely shaking things up. Um, we can, all we can do is just kind of sit back and uh, hold, hold dear to our principles, hope our taxes don't go up in the meantime, and uh, really see who comes out at the other end of this. On the other side of the world, uh, of course, uh, the Chinese dealing with the, the coronavirus one way or the other, I think uh, they are just uh, burning to, to a crisp. Many people that uh, have been infected by this disease can't get much messaging from uh, that we can trust uh, from the Chinese government because they control the message in relation to the coronavirus. I know we talked about it last week. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we talked uh, or we heard in as part of the trade agreement uh, that was uh, put together by the U.S. and uh, the Chinese you know, the theft of intellectual property and uh, other things that uh, are related to the Chinese infiltrating our systems. Uh, we also highlighted, of course, uh, the fact that uh, UK, the U.K. is moving forward with their 5G network, allowing a Chinese company to install a portion of that network and the problems that poses. Well, earlier this week, the Department of Justice and uh, the Attorney General announced several arrests related to Chinese military members hacking one of our credit agencies uh, and compromising millions of people's information. Why does China want our credit info? No clue. No clue, Joe, but that's what the Chinese are good at. They're good at collecting information, putting it in a database, and using it where necessary. I mean, this hack was huge. I definitely got hacked. Um, I think there's 145 million Americans. That's a third of the country uh, was hacked. Uh, we're talking about this is your driver's license information, your social security number, addresses, names. Um, this was all found in the, the huge hack that happened at Equifax. I mean, this is a big deal. And to find out that it was the Chinese military, to find out that the Chinese Communist Party had at their disposal these hackers who have this information, I think it's pretty scary, Joe. I think um, any way that we can clamp down on this, all the better. You know, I've talked about this a little bit on your program and on others that, you know, the intellectual property thing is it's not just about some convoluted business plans. A lot of this has to do with the information that you or I have. You know, we know what happens if we ever have our identity stolen. Some of your listeners might have had that happen. It's a pain. It's terrible. Sometimes you lose money. Sometimes you, you're not able to get a loan in the future because of something that happens. What happens if the information that was leaked here is then used somehow by the Chinese government or some rogue actor? Terrible, not good at all for consumers. We need to keep an eye on this. Um, hopefully there's going to be a bit more that's coming out in terms of these indictments. But this is pretty scary. 
I think we need to push back. We need to hold our leaders accountable. You know, this is not what we want in free societies and liberal democratic countries. This is not the type of behavior that any of us would condone. So we really got to keep an eye on what's happening with China. Keep an eye on what's happening with their military. I mean, this is government where the Communist Party controls everything, and they're basically there on every single board of every company that comes out of China. So that's very, very concerning. They're definitely not handling the coronavirus very well. I'm not sure what they're going to do with my credit information. Uh, hopefully they don't open up a credit card <laughs> in my name somewhere to use around the world. In fact, uh, my identity was compromised just the other day. Got a call from my bank and said, yeah, we shut down all your information because uh, somewhere where you purchased uh, something, uh, they had uh, someone hacked their services. And uh, so as a precaution, we're shutting you down and uh, issuing new bank cards and credit cards to you. So I'm happy that, in wow. fact, my bank, of course, you know, called me before anything was drawn out of my account as a precautionary measure. But uh, again, the times uh, we live in and it's the Chinese in many cases we're hearing now uh, based on this arrest uh, from earlier this week. Yael, as I let you go, you're a world traveler. My grandmother, my great aunt and my mother-in-law are headed to the Holy Land uh, this uh, next week uh, for two weeks uh, on a guided tour. Any tips that you can give them that I can pass along? Well, it depends which holy land they're going to, Joe. They're going to Israel. They're going to Italy. Where are they going? No. <laughs> they're going to the Middle. They're going to Israel, the Middle East. Okay, goodness. All right. You, you <laughs> I, had I, on different. Well, places. my mother-in-law can take us through Italy, no problem. Italy, Italy. Yeah. Well, hey, you, you never know. The Pope lives right there. He's not too far. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, the Dead Sea is one of the most beautiful things to see when you're in Israel um, or on the Jordanian side. Uh, you know, try to pop in the water and get to float and not sink. I think it's one of the coolest things ever. Be careful if they have any open cuts because that salt water will burn. Uh, so there's that. They definitely got to try the falafel. They got to try the hummus. Um, they got to check out a lot of the churches. There's beautiful synagogues all over the place. I mean, it's, it's more for the history, and I, I think your family is definitely going to see that. There's so much to see, so many great uh, sort of guided tours that you can take around the place. I mean, these are places that people have been reading about for many, many years. So beautiful architecture, especially in places like Jerusalem and in places like Tel Aviv. I mean, Tel Aviv is a new modern city. This is a beach party town. Uh, so I have to warn your family, if they're going to go to Tel Aviv, uh, there's a couple of religious things, but it really is a party town. So maybe uh, towards the latter part, if they want to catch a couple of drinks and be at the beach and in the sun, they might go down to Tel Aviv. Uh, that, uh, well, they are, well, you, if you know me and my family, yeah, we like to get, we like to throw down. So they may end up, uh, and actually, we've been seeing more and more advertisements uh, out there promoting Tel Aviv as a, a place to vacation in our country. It's uh, pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, and Tel Aviv's a great place, and there, there's, there's a lot of, you know, great tech companies as well that are coming out of Israel. So this is, it's definitely going forward, you know, despite everything that's happening on the borders and threats from places like Iran, uh, the Israeli people live on. They're a strong, resilient nation and strong, resilient people, uh, definitely very smart, intelligent. It's an awesome place to be, and I hope they have a great time. Yael, thanks a lot for the time, as always, and uh, we will be tuning in tomorrow at 10 o'clock uh, to listen to your latest edition of Consumer Choice Radio. Thanks a lot.